So I loved math when I was a kid, because I'm a nerd, and uh, I just liked it. It's just, it was consistent. Like you said, you said one, one plus one always equals two in a, in, in a nine system. And that was just for math nerds. Okay, I'm the only one. All right. Binary systems, they don't, it, it, it's different. Anyway, I really liked math because math did it like, it, you said this thing and plus this thing is this thing. And I could trust that like it wasn't subjective. The English language to me was horrific. Like we speak the worst language. Do y'all know that? Like there, every other language is a lot like math. You do this for this, for this reason, always. And if there's an exception, it's a big deal. But our exceptions are so, they're so accepting that they're in the rules. I have a four E, except after C and except in long A, like neighbor and way. And as Brian Regan added, and on weekends and holidays and all throughout May, you'll always be wrong no matter what you say. <laughs> we, I, I didn't like English that much because uh, it, it, I like, I had my subjects. I too, when learning a new formula, when learning how to calculate the area of a circle or learn what the learning calculus and whatnot, what that little sigma thing stood for. What's the derivative of seven or whatever that mess is. I would all, every once in a while get in my soul this question. It's a sinful question. What do we need this for? Your teenager's probably thinking that too. When you're in a math class, I'm like, what in the world? Now, I remember thinking that in a lot of different classes. Art appreciation in college? Good night. <laughs> this is a Monet. This is a Manet. Why do I need this? Why, why in the world is this instruction here? Why, are we, why am I being instructed like this? Now, the, the answer for math, and I think it's the answer for at least literature in English, is the same. The correct answer for why do I need to know the quadratic equation is because your brain's dumb, and we're trying to strengthen it up. Now, you don't, have to, you don't have to carry the quadratic equation or Pythagorean theorem around with you all the time, but in school, you learn it because your brain's dumb. Like, there's reasonings behind it. You're trying to flex your brain muscle and work it out so that it can actually do things later. The, re the reason you take math is because you need math to get smarter. You don't always need math. You don't always need science. You don't always need um, to, to talk good. But it was a, it was a, it was a joke, Caroline. You know, <laughs> aimed right at you. <laughs> you, don't, you don't always... There's some of you going, what's the problem? <laughs> I thought he talked real good. I don't know what's going on. But you don't, you, don't, you don't always need the things. 
But when you're young, you need the things to make the things spin, to make, make you smarter, to make you figure, be able to... A school, really, in the end, is about learning how to lead when you have to and solving interesting problems. That's all it is. And so you can get caught up in, like, the minutia and say, well, I, that, I don't know why I need that thing. Well, in the end, you don't need it all the time. But it helps with the bigger goal. Um, we can do this with church where we'll look around and say, I don't know what, why this is so important to people. Yesterday we had the great giveaway and over 500 people from the community were in here, um, grabbing clothes that they need, toys that they need, baby items, housewares, Christmas trees. There were Christmas trees here. We still have a couple of Christmas trees if you need a Christmas tree. <laughs> a couple of families. <laughs> the uh, I enjoy you as much as you enjoy me or maybe more probably more we'll say more but they all came through here and then once they were gone we moved all the stuff in there that was left over and we had to put the chairs back do you know how stressful of an experience that is that is so stressful because we put the chairs back and then you know the next day someone today someone's going to come in and go this isn't the way the chairs were okay that's what you sound like every one of you it's okay yeah but it's stressful because we're not i know for a fact we're not doing it right and sometimes church can be about doing things right Getting things done the right way. And like I, I got to make sure every little step is, is explained. Every little step is accurate. Every little step is, is, we'll say, biblical. And that is a healthy thing to work through from time to time. But if church becomes about just those things then I think it's actually a good question to then say, well, what are we doing this for? Even in larger issues, like when we, when we talk about, like last week we talked about marriage. The week before that we talked about peace. When we talk about marriage, when we talk about peace, when we, when we discuss how your, your life should look in Christ, sometimes we can get caught up in just letting Christianity be a very holy self-help process. Well, this is how we manage our money, and this is the way we're supposed to do this, and this is the way we're supposed to do this. And when you go to Walmart, go in the entrance and not that in the exit. That's just that's their label. Follow rules. Don't cheat on your taxes. And if Christianity can become about the rules or about the attitudes or about the actions. And those are all good and healthy, but then you ask the question: what are we? Doing this for. In First Timothy, Paul is giving them a lot of instructions up front. He's saying, do this. Overseers and the elders need to act like this. We went through this in the summer. Overseers and the elders need to act like this. We need, we need to make sure um, that we are behaving a certain way in, at, at certain times. And we need... We need um, some practical guidance. And some of us just need practical guidance from church. 
And we can find it. We can find it in the Bible. We can find it um, in Paul's writings. We can find it in the Gospels. We can find it even in the Old Testament. But what are we doing it for? And Paul answers in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Go to that next slide there. Although I hope to come to you soon. I'm writing you these instructions so that... Pause. Go back. Sorry. That was, I know, I know. That was my fault, Corbin. So that. That phrase... Or that, that, that whole construct there. I'm writing you these instructions. So 1 Timothy 1, 2, and all of 3. 3, 1 through 13, which is all of chapter 3. There's just three more verses left. He says, I'm writing you all of this so that, for a reason, I'm not just giving you bland instruction because, you know, there are just certain rules in Christianity. I, when I started ministry, didn't know it was a rule that you had to stand before the song, on the song before the sermon. Now, you don't know that's a rule either because you don't, we don't do that here. But in the church I first got hired in, they did it there and it was a rule. People would come up and they would say, listen, Benjamin, before the sermon, we need to stretch our legs. Like, okay, well, let's yoga while we sing. Standing up does nothing for you. Just let's, 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 let's do some toe touches or just knee touches for some of you. That's fine. But they were, they were adamant about it. And they had a why. They had, we need to do this because of this. Okay, that's fine. We can do that. He says, I'm writing you these instructions so that, let's go to the next slide, verse 15, so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. Now here, he's not saying in you know, that one hour on Sunday we work together. We, we meet together and we sing together. He's, he's saying, it, if you are the church, if you are God's family, there are certain ways we are supposed to act. Which is the church, that God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And then verse 16, he says this. Beyond all question, the mystery, from which true godliness springs, or the surprise, or the, the beautiful awakening, the beyond all question, the mystery, the surprise, the, the, the exciting revelation from which true godliness springs is great. The fountain from which we, we, we find righteousness. The fountain from which we... Uh, we, we see our lives changing. The reason you're kind to your children, to your spouse, to your loved ones, to your church, the reason you are patient with people who wrong you, the reason you forgive when people wrong you, the reason you love your neighbor as yourself, the reason you love your enemy as yourself, the reason we work hard to persevere through difficult times is great. 
And it's all borne out in the next slide. He says, he appeared. This is called the Christ hymn. It's right in the middle of uh, 1 Timothy. It's, it's, it sums up 1 Timothy 1 uh, through 3.15 and, and introduces the rest of the book. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations or the Gentiles, was believed on in the world and was taken up into glory. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the one who was who was God himself, but became man. He was appeared in the flesh, but was validated, vindicated, was made right, was uh, was everyone pointed to him and said, yeah, that's true. The spirit that he is the Messiah. He was vindicated by the Messiah. He was seen by angels and preached among the nations, which would be like the non-Jewish people. He was preaching. He was believed on in the world and he was taken up into glory. Let me tell you about Jesus, because I don't want to tell you about patience and forgiveness and love and mercy and, and faithfulness and perseverance without telling you about Jesus. Jesus was God, but did not consider God something worthy of being attained. He decided that he was he made himself man and as a man died on a cross. His, the reason we have the reason we have righteousness, the reason we are good, the reason we get together and sing is Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus is the one who loved the sinner and challenged the saint. Jesus is the one who fed thousands. Jesus is the one who went to people who were there. Who said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Jesus, Jesus is everything you need to know and everything that you could possibly imagine. If we look to Jesus, we see God. And if we look to Jesus, we see godliness. When you're in church and we, you look around, you say, what are we doing this for? What's the reasoning for this? Let me. Let me tell you about Jesus. He appeared in flesh and was vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels, but preached among the people, among the nations. They believed on him in the world and he is taken up into glory, which is another way of saying now he is king. Paul's saying... We don't have elders because we're supposed to have elders. We're not just making up monotonous rules. We're not just saying we, we, we need to be um, good people because that's what people do. I was raised right. and good. Pe no, Christianity is not about a new sort of holy uh, moralism. It's not a new ethic. There is a new ethic that comes with it. And there is obviously you're going to be a more moral person the more you follow Jesus as king. But in the end, Christianity is about this. You can't sum up Christianity without Jesus. You can't have you can't have a response to Jesus without Jesus. I, I didn't know this scripture growing up. This one's a new one to me. 
Now, this, is, this has nothing to do with my, like, whether or not my church taught it or something. I'm just, I don't know. I was a kid, and my brain was still dumb. And probably is still dumb. But this is at the heart of why you're sitting in chairs on a Sunday morning singing and talking with each other next to people that you barely know and once you got to know them you'd realize you didn't have a whole lot in common with them. Except we believe He appeared in the flesh and was vindicated by the Spirit. That, that Jesus... God became man and the Spirit of God was in him. That he was seen by angels and preached among the nations. Among people that Israelite people didn't usually associate with. We believe that we believe on him here in the world, although he was taken up into glory. This is the heart of what we do. So there's some of you who want to get better. Like you, you just, I'm, we're struggling. Our marriage is struggling. Our, our, um, my attitude is struggling. I'm just not who I need to be. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let's sing that song about Jesus. Let's cry out to Jesus. We're not crying out to self-help. I'm on Twitter. Don't follow me. It's not good. Have you ever seen the ridiculous things I say on Facebook? Those are the things that get through the filter of Twitter. But on Twitter recently, there's a, a famous preacher who said, um, if you follow God's commands, you will always, you will never be broke again. But we say this sort of stuff about, like, that seems ridiculous. Because, and I sent him a message saying it was ridiculous. Well, it was. It just, it just doesn't seem right to me for Jesus to tell the, um, the rich man, go sell all your possessions and come follow me. That equals broke to me. I'm not a mathematician. Actually, I am. But, I'm pretty good at subtracting all of one thing from the same thing. That's zero every time. That, that is, so, yeah, you're going to be broke sometimes as a Christian. Follow Jesus. Say the right prayers and you'll, you will find healing. Yeah, maybe. But so far, every, every human on earth has died. It's a pretty high rate of death in the world. It's one to one. You get there eventually. I know one of, one of my favorite people growing up is now dead because of cancer. He died a few years ago. But cancer, he overcame it. And we prayed and prayed and he overcame it three times. We were three for four. And he died. Like, 
Jesus didn't come to keep us wealthy. He didn't come to make sure that we're always healed all the time. He didn't come to make sure your marriage never has a hiccup. He didn't come so that your bank account would never hit zero. He came to conquer death and restore relationships with the people. I don't even think he came to line out a, just, a, just a perfect plan for your life. What's God's plan for my life? Let me tell you about Jesus. Because every time we overemphasize certain things, we underemphasize Jesus. You can't tie health, wealth. You can't tie every answer to every prayer just the way you'd have it. And you can't tie God orchestrating a specific detailed layout for my life. Whether or not I'm going to sell this house or whether or not I'm going to get this job or whether or not you can't tie all of that to Jesus without weighing him down. Jesus came to conquer death, to be the faithful human, to be the one who God could finally make the Messiah and King. That's who we follow. And that's what we do. That's why we're here. So, yes, maybe you came here because um, I, we really need to get our kids in church. Maybe you came here because we really, our marriage is struggling. Maybe you came here because you thought we were still giving away things this morning. There's Christmas trees. So there may have been a lot of reasons you came to this place. And I, I get that. That's, that's not, I'm not saying those are bad reasons to come here. Maybe you come here because you just love how much these people love. I'll tell you, that's why I came here. But the reason we're here together this morning is because he was, he appeared in the flesh and he was vindicated by the Spirit. He was, uh, he, he was seen among angels and preached among the nations. He was believed upon in the world, but was taken up into glory. The story of Jesus. And listen, you may not know it. And we don't we will tell it. You you come here every Sunday morning. You for a year you'll we'll get there. Next year we're starting on in January, we're starting the story. And we're gonna go through the full story of the Bible. You'll hear it. But I think I think you probably need to take a moment and get to know Jesus in your actual Bible. You have one. They, they printed out part of the internet and put it in a binder. If you don't have this, it's on the internet for free. Every translation you'd ever want, Bible Gateway, Bible.com, version, whatever. Most of you have it on your phone. But I can guarantee you the fingerprint next to the, on top of the Facebook icon is a lot deeper 
than the one on top of the Bible. I guarantee you one is hurting you and the other is helping. Your relationship with God starts with you knowing and loving and recognizing the importance of Jesus. And I think we might should spend some time with Jesus. We should be Jesus' disciples. And so if, if, that isn't, if that's not super clear to you, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Alright? Those are the four books of the Bible. They're a third of the way through. Plop it open. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you really love the Old Testament, Matthew might be for you. If, Mark, if, if you like brevity and uh, fast pace, Mark's for you. 16 chapters, you could actually read that in an hour um, out loud. Maybe not an hour, but you, you, can read, you can read it quick. If you love stories and parables, Luke might be for you. If, if you're into theology and, and beautiful writing, John's your man. But we have four different stories, four different people telling four different narratives of Jesus in their own special way. And we, we get stuck saying, well, what's God, what's God want for me? Follow Jesus. Because he appeared in the flesh, he was vindicated by spirit. He, was, he came to earth for us. And so I don't want us to lose sight of what we do this, or the reasons we do these things. What do we do this for? Why do I need this? Because I need a day, I need a weekly reminder. Actually, I need a daily reminder. I need a weekly reminder that I'm not just doing this to be good. I'm doing this because Jesus was good and I follow him. I don't come together with this group of people because that's what my mom and dad told me I should do. I do this because Jesus is good and this is where people who follow him meet together to praise his name and commune around his table. Let's never forget why 2,000 years later we are still sitting here praising his name. It's because his name is worthy to be praised. Jesus is the Son of God. The Messiah, the King, the resurrected Savior. And it's only through uniting with Jesus into his death, burial, and resurrection. Through baptism, through your faith, through repentance. That we find a relationship with Jesus that's, that's life-changing. Church might change your life a little. Bible class might change your life a little. Marriage counseling might change your life a little. Financial peace. Any little course, any self-help, those might change your life a little. But Jesus will change your life forever. And conquer death along the way. If you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to recommit to Jesus, if you want to follow Jesus, please come forward this morning while we stand and sing.